1: William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, confidential investigator.
2: Buying yourself a murder can run into pretty big money, but after that, you've got nothing to worry about. The only charge for the chair you're invited to sit in is electrical.
1: The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan... in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure... with America's number one detective... Barry Craig, confidential investigator.
2: Barry Craig speaking. When you've been a confidential investigator for long enough... you don't surprise easy anymore... A man named Adolph Beck hands you a couple of hundred bucks to help his wife buy a hat, and you don't lift an eyebrow. You take the couple of hundred, and you meet Mrs. Beck the next morning at the Beck apartment. <laughs> Adolph's gone to work, but you don't miss him. Barry Craig? Barry Craig.
3: Nice. Will you wait? Sure. I, uh, I couldn't very well go shopping in this, could I?
2: Not unless you wanted to hold up traffic. (laughs) You wait while the lady changes into something that won't hold up traffic. You decide you're being overpaid. Given the chance, you'd watch Mrs. Beck even if there wasn't a nickel in it. Ready? Fine. Fine.
3: Do you think traffic will be safe now?
2: Sure. I don't know about myself, though. (laughs) Oh, hold it. What? I'll take a look outside first.
3: Oh.
2: Well, the street looks normal. Let's go.
3: Ah, it's such a lovely day.
2: Yeah. But that's my car.
3: Well, can't we walk? The shop's not very far. No. Well, all right, but...
2: Safer this way.
3: I don't know exactly what you think you're protecting me from.
2: I don't either. Your husband wasn't very generous with his information. Well, then... He was generous with his money, though. I'm trying to earn it.
3: Would you believe me if I told you I didn't need any protection?
2: Sure, but i believe your husband harder, though. Why? He's my client. I always believe my clients harder.
3: All right. You go ahead and protect me, then.
2: Yes, ma'am. Where's the hat shop?
3: Well, keep right on... Wait, slow down. What? That shop window. Madame Fleury? Yes. She's always got wonderful things in it. Oh, Mr. Craig. Yes? Stop the car at once. Okay. That bathing suit. The red one.
2: Looks like a bathing suit.
3: Can you imagine it on me? Yeah. What do you think?
2: I think it's going to be a hot summer.
3: (laughs) I've got to try it on. Come on.
2: Whatever you say.
3: I love to go shopping with a man. I don't get much of a chance. What's
2: the matter with your husband?
3: Adolf? Oh, he hates shopping.
4: Good morning, madame. Monsieur, what can I show you? That bathing suit you have in the window. Ah, madame has magnificent taste. It is an imported suit. I hope I have here madame's size. Ah, oui. Altogether, I import only three such suits. Voila.
2: That's all there is to it?
4: Yeah, monsieur, it satisfies the law, no?
2: Well, I wouldn't know.
4: And what is more important, it satisfies the eye of the husband. If, of course, the wife is so charming as madame.
2: Charm isn't exactly what a girl needs for a suit like that.
4: Oh, maybe not. But madame has it, no? She has it. I've got to try this on. Where? This way, please, madame. Madame will find the dressing room comfortable, I think. I must congratulate, monsieur. Yeah. There are not many women who would even dare to think of wearing such a suit. It is, of course, ridiculously expensive. It is, huh? But monsieur will not mind paying, huh?
2: I guess he won't. I guess in the kind of deal he's got, he pays and likes it. Or anyway, pretends to like it. Madame Fleury wasn't quite sure how to take that. So she shrugged her shoulders, charmingly, the way the French do, and shut up. Time went by and I got restless.
4: Monsieur looks forward to seeing his wife in the suit, eh? Huh?
2: Monsieur has been looking forward to it for too long. She's been in there over 15 minutes.
4: Oh, a pretty woman always keeps her husband waiting, no?
2: I wouldn't know about that. I still think she's been in there a long time. Would you mind hurrying her up?
4: If monsieur is impatient.
2: He's impatient.
4: Tiens, then I go to advise madame. Madame? Madame? What's the matter? Madame does not reply. The door. She's locked.
2: Well, let me. Yeah, Locks automatically?
4: Automatic? No, it is necessary that one moves the latch.
2: One has moved the latch. Mrs. Beck. Mrs. Beck. Madame Fleury. Oui? Get back a bit. I'm going to break the door down. But, monsieur... I'll explain later. Right now, I'm in a hurry.
4: But this is barbaric. Is monsieur so jealous?
2: Monsieur is scared. Well, latch wasn't too strong.
4: Oh.
2: Oh. Nobody home. Not even in the closet. But well, that door there, where does it go?
4: The back of the shop, a storeroom.
2: Fine. Storeroom. Nobody home here either.
4: But I do not understand. You and me
2: both. You always keep that window open?
4: Me no one cannot because of the thieves.
2: Well, it's open now. Yeah. Short drop to the alley outside. She could have managed them.
4: Tiens, you are of the opinion, Madame Fleece.
2: That could be the opinion I'm of. Come on. Oh, the bathing suit. Yeah, she left it behind.
4: The mystery grows.
2: Fixing that door up is going to cost you a few bucks. Here's ten.
4: Merci, monsieur, but what... Put
2: the uh, bathing suit back in stock. I've got a feeling Mrs. Beck isn't going to return for it. Mm-hmm. There was no occasion for yelling for the police. Mrs. Beck had a right to use the back exit if she wanted to. And there's no law against making a confidential investigator look foolish. I took my foolish look over to Beck's office and let him stare at it. But you shouldn't
1: have let her... Mr. Beck. Yes?
2: You handed me a couple of hundred bucks to go shopping with your wife for the next week or so. You told me you were worried about her. Of course. And the first thing you do is let her slip out of your fingers. I never had them on her. You didn't bother telling me my job was to act as a jailer. I, I assumed you'd realize that... The only thing I could realize was that you figured she was in some kind of danger. Well, maybe she is. Maybe someone no. knew... No. There was no way anyone could have known she was going to stop at Madame Fleury's and use the dressing room there. Her disappearance had to be her own idea.
3: Yeah,
2: perhaps you're right. It's a little too early to call in the missing persons bureau. She's been gone only for an hour. But I know some of the boys downtown. They might stretch a regulation for me. no. No.
1: I don't want the police involved. She she may simply have returned home. She did it the hard way.
2: Or if she didn't, Craig. Yeah? I want you to find her. Meaning you don't really think she went home? Wherever she went, you find her. The police do that kind of thing a lot better than a one-man outfit like me. I don't care. Okay, it's your money. But I'll need a few Leads? Leads? Look, Mr. Beck, New York's a large place. Also, it's furnished with trains, planes, and buses leaving it every few minutes. I've got to have some idea where she might be heading and why, or else I'm licked. I understand, but. Uh... We'll do it the hard way. Who was your wife before you married her? Her. Her name was Lila Lorne. Lila Lorne? It sounds phony. It was her professional name. What profession? She sang. She was a club singer. Where'd she have her last date before giving it all up for a home and kiddies? She.
1: She was singing at the Romany Rendezvous.
2: Romany Rendezvous. East 40s? Yes. Fine. Before marriage, your wife was a singer named Lana Lorne... singing at the Romany Rendezvous. Now, you tell me the rest. What, what rest? You know, somebody listening in would think I was working against you... instead of for you. I had to drag this information out of you. Why? There's nothing wrong with a girl singing in a nightclub. Nothing to explain a disappearing act, either. You're shrewd, Craig... Isn't that why you hired me? I didn't think shrewdness would be necessary. The way you talk, people might get the idea you didn't want her found. I do. Okay, then what's the rest of it? Before before Lila married me, she she was sort of engaged to Eddie Myron. What does
1: he do, pitch for the Dodgers? He owns the Romany. Keep going. Well, Myron was very angry with Lila. And myself, I suppose.
2: I've always been afraid that he might uh, do something. That's why you hired me? Yes. Myron didn't grab your wife. Nobody did. That flight out of the back window at Madame Flores was both unscheduled and strictly her own idea. So I understand. Meaning maybe she decided money wasn't everything?
1: Look here, Craig, I... This is terribly difficult for me.
2: And I'm not helping. All right, I'll get started. Uh, Only one thing. Yes? Suppose I find her and she likes it where she is. All Beck had for that was a stricken stare. Didn't look good on him, and I didn't waste time admiring it. I got out.
1: Back to William Gargan starring as Barry Craig in just a moment. The old expression, it's a small world, has new meaning today. The world has grown even smaller... In fact, in some ways, it's too small for comfort. With modern long-range aviation, enemy planes could reach the United States from any part of the world in a matter of hours. A devastating surprise attack could occur at any time. Of course, our nation has taken steps to protect us. There is an extensive radar network to detect the approach of planes. But radar can't do the entire job. That's up to us as individual citizens. Right now, the Air Defense Command needs 300,000 more volunteers for its Ground Observer Corps. This Ground Observer Corps is made up of patriotic citizens who contribute a few hours of their spare time each week. Both men and women from teenage up can join the Ground Observer Corps and perform a valuable service to our country. Write or phone your nearest Civil Defense Center or write to Ground Observer Corps, Air Force, Washington, 25, D.C., Remember Pearl Harbor and join the Ground Observer Corps. And now, back to William Gargan, starring as Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator.
2: It was a little early for the Romany Rendezvous when I got there. A handful of tourists were fighting the stakes and trying to believe they were living... There wasn't a gypsy around. Good evening, sir. I have a splendid table. Save it for the Iowa delegation. They're due any minute. I beg your pardon? Eddie Myron. Eddie Myron? He wouldn't be on public view. Lead me to him, huh? Mr. Myron is not in, sir. That sir must have hurt. All right, he's not in. You've done your duty like a nice little head waiter. Now take me to him. Hey, wait a minute. Careful, the gutter's beginning to show. What makes you so tough? Clean living. Well? You didn't mention a name. Oh, careless of me. Barry Craig, how's that? Craig? Private eye? Confidential investigator. More syllables, higher fees, class. Let's go, huh? Okay. Lila with him? Lila? A friend of yours, Mr. Craig? Very good. Forget I asked. Yes, sir. Mr. Myron's office is down the corridor. You can see the door from here. Thanks. But I'll take the sap first. Let go. Sure, the better. The... Mm. Now I'll take the sap. Thanks. I get so tired of being hit on the head. You don't say it. We'd both be shocked. You were a little obvious, friend, asking me to walk in front of you. Now go back to the dirty napkins, huh? I'll show you it the... up now. Okay. Craig's made another friend. Uh, What goes Oh, I forgot to knock. I'm terribly sorry. Who are you? The name's Craig. I also forgot to shut the door behind me. Excuse me, Mr. Myron. Wonder if there's a lock. Yes. Now, I feel better. I'd hate to have anyone walk in while my back was turned to him. Got a permit for that gun? Got any authority to ask? No. No. That makes us even.
5: No, it puts me one ahead. I got the gun. Some days I can't keep score worth a don. Is this some uh, fancy kind of hold-up? You wouldn't keep your dough in here.
2: I wouldn't, but you mightn't know that. Barry Craig. Do I stand and salute? You remember I'm a confidential investigator, which makes it unlikely I'm after your dough.
5: Uh, Maybe I haven't got as high an opinion of investigators as you have.
2: You're misunderstanding me, hurting my feelings. All I'm after is companionship. Mine? Lila's. Lila who? (laughs) You took too long on that one, fella. All right. Your business has got something to do with Lila Lorne. The name's familiar. So is the lady. So what? I'm looking for her. Here? Know any better places? Sure. Try the Beck residence. I already have. Well, then we both
5: don't know a thing.
2: I don't know a thing. You do. What makes you think that? I tossed Lila Lawn's name in your head waiter's lap. He tried to toss this blackjack at me.
5: Oh, that wasn't very nice of him. He missed. How does he feel about it? Painful. Well, I hope it doesn't show too badly. I wouldn't want the place to get a bad name.
2: We're getting away from Lila Lawn. I haven't been near her in months. That's why your head waiter was so sensitive? I could pry it loose from him.
5: Okay. Maybe I could use you on my side. Maybe even I might need you. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I got a call from Lila early this morning. First time I'd heard from her since she got married. Must have been a surprise. And it was even a pleasant surprise. She wanted me to meet her. She was upset.
2: Beck was running short of money?
5: Well, Beck, it seems, was running after another blonde.
2: That's what Lila said.
5: that's what she said. She wanted me to meet her up in Creekdale.
2: What's Creekdale?
5: Well, I got a kind of cottage up there. It's uh, maybe an hour out of the city. She wanted you to meet her up there this morning. You agreed. I agreed. I drove up there. The cottage was there. And Lila? No. Well, I hung around for maybe a couple of hours. Then I started thinking somebody was playing you for something. I made fast time back to town. I worried. Boyle, that's the head waiter you tangled with, got his instructions. He'd been with me all day in the apartment.
2: Why are you breaking down and telling me all this?
5: Well, partially because uh, Boyle lost his head when you mentioned Lorne. That wouldn't make him a good witness. And partially because I don't even know what I was being set up for. I'd like you to find out.
2: I've already got a client. Beck? Yeah. What's your job for him? Finding his wife.
5: Well, that won't have to conflict with anything
2: I want you to do. One client at a time is all I can handle. But if I find out anything that might interest you, you'll hear from me. Or maybe from the police. That was thrown in to worry him. He was already worried, but maybe not about the right things. Even at that, he was ahead of me. I didn't even know what the right things were. I checked with Beck. His wife was still out. That left me a choice. I could do nothing. I could try the Creekdale end. According to Myron, that was a dead end. But he could be a liar. Evening. Good evening. You're the sheriff, they tell me.
5: I guess they tell you right.
2: I'm Barry Craig. I'm a confidential investigator from New York City. That's so? That's so.
5: Are you uh, figuring on setting up business in Creekdale?
2: Not exactly. Something else. I came up here to look through Eddie Myron's cottage. Yep. I thought I might find something there. I drove to the cottage before stopping here at your office. Yep. The cottage wasn't in very good shape. No. Somebody was careless with matches. Uh,
5: it looks that way, don't it?
2: The place was burned to the ground. When did it happen, Sheriff? This afternoon.
5: I don't know the exact time it started. Couldn't have been later than 12 or so.
2: Any ideas about why it started or who started it?
5: Uh, what were you figuring on uh, maybe finding in the cottage, mister?
2: Something that might lead me to a lost lady. Uh, that's all. So. What uh, might her name be? Lila Lorne, perhaps. Or more recently, Mrs. Adolph Beck.
5: Yep. Come along, son. Okay. There she is, son.
2: What? Yep. You found her... In the cottage? Yep. Like that? Like that. You couldn't have identified her. All you can tell is that she was blonde.
5: Enough of the skin on her fingers left to get half a dozen prints. No doubt about her identity, son. She's Lila Lorne. Mrs. Beck. She was pretty. Once.
2: Yeah. Sheriff, could that fire have been set earlier than noon, say? Never. Thanks.
5: Uh, Doc Peabody's got no idea if she was dead or not when the fire got her. Not enough of her left. You got ideas?
2: I got ideas.
5: Names attached to them? Not yet. Well, you'll get in touch with me if you get around to attaching names to those ideas.
2: I'll get in touch with you. Goodbye, Sheriff.
5: Oh, uh, just a minute, son. Yeah? Uh, Doc uh, Peabody couldn't swear whether she was alive or not when the fire got to her. He'll swear to something else, though.
2: What's that? She had a couple of bullets in her lungs. The sheriff didn't have any expression on his face I could read when he let me have it. I held the post for a minute, couldn't think of anything else, and got out. I didn't mind the long drive back to the city. I needed it. Mrs. Adolph Beck hadn't been lovely to look at.
5: It's open.
2: What do you want now, Boyle? It's
5: not Boyle. not... Oh. Thought we were finished for the night. Not exactly. What do you want now? I've been up to Creekdale. Well, I hope you got more out of the trip than I did this morning. I got more. Tell me about
2: it. Your cottage is never going to be the same again. Termites? What time did you leave there this morning? Oh, around 12. Hey, wait a minute.
5: That sounds like somebody's checking alibis. Maybe somebody is. Alibis
2: for what? Arson for one thing. Arson? Your cottage was burned to the ground sometime today. Bur- Maybe you're careless with cigarettes. I don't smoke.
5: I think you better get out of
2: here. Okay, but nobody really worries about arson in connection with a cheap summer cottage. What do they worry about? Lyle La La alone is never going to be the same again either. I didn't give him much of a chance to respond to that. I walked out. That would give him an opportunity to figure out what his response would be. I had another job. Oh, who is it? Barry Craig. Oh, come in. Thanks. Well, it's very late. I hadn't noticed. I hope you've got something to report. I have. You found her? Yeah. Splendid work. Is uh, is she coming back to me? I don't think she's got any choice in the matter. I hope you didn't bully her. Or... The reason she's got no choice is because she's dead. Huh? Yeah. The shortest way is sometimes the kindest. She was shot and then burned to death in a summer cottage that belongs to Eddie Myron. She's gone back to him. For a while, it seems like. Or maybe a shorter while than she figured on. Have they arrested him? Not yet. But they'll get around to it once they tighten up a few things. The way it goes, your wife ducked me this morning, phoned Myron, and met him at the cottage shortly before 12. Uh-huh. What happened and why right after that, we don't know for sure. What we do know is that Myron headed back for the city sometime after 12. And sometime after 12 was also when the cottage started burning. Oh, then it's, it's not really proof, though. No. That's why Myron's not under arrest. He's a suspect. You could be one, too. Me? You're joking. You've got a funny sense of humor. Motive. Another woman. According to Myron, anyway. But that doesn't matter. Because I saw you ten minutes after your wife ducked out. I spent time with you. You couldn't have made it up to the cottage in time for the shooting and the burning. Not after I left you. Oh, then you were joking. Just showing you how tricky these things can be. Anyway, the main reason I came was to tell you my job's over. Your wife's been found. I walked out. He didn't see me to the door. Loved her, hated her. The fact that she was dead meant something to him. I got out into the street and started walking, but not far. Somebody else was walking behind me. I stopped. He stopped. This wasn't my idea of fun. But it didn't matter because still another guy showed up. He didn't notice either of us, but we noticed him. I went after him. The hired man went after me. We must have made quite a procession. He turned off the pavement and walked into one of the small houses they still keep in New York City to prove that once upon a time it was a nice place to live in. I gave him a few minutes, and then... While I waited for the doorbell to be answered, I scribbled a note on my card and dropped it. It would give the man following me something to think about. Yes? Police.
4: Oh, all right.
2: Thanks. You're not a policeman. No. Now, let's shut the door. I don't want the whole street to know I impersonated a cop, Mrs. Beck.
3: Mrs. Beck.
2: You sound surprised. Well, I... Maybe you're embarrassed but the way you ducked me in Madame Fleury's this morning. I never did get to see how you looked in that red bathing suit.
3: It's terribly late. It
2: hasn't even begun to be late, Mrs. Beck. But I've got a problem bothering me. According to the police and to fingerprints, which never lie, Mrs. Beck is dead. I... You're not dead, are you? No, which leads me to a very funny conclusion. You're not, you never were, Mrs. Beck. You don't think that conclusion is very funny?
3: I don't know what you want, what you're thinking. I'll tell
2: you. Eddie Myron said Beck was running after another blonde. You're blonde. So was Mrs. Beck, I figured. You still haven't... Maybe you were holding out for marriage. I wouldn't know. I'm not asking. But Beck decided he'd have to get rid of his wife. He overheard her make a date with Eddie Myron. She was scared, I guess. And so he went to work. He got hold of me, hired me to go shopping with his wife. He got hold of you, got you to pretend you were his wife until he could duck up to Creekdale, kill his actual wife, wait till Myron had left the cottage in disgust, and then set fire. Why,
3: that's silly.
2: He got back to the city by 12. You were still alive then, according to what my testimony would have to be. Then you disappeared. So I think Beck couldn't have killed his wife. But he did. You prove it.
3: I'm not doing anything.
2: Myron put himself at the scene of the murder at the time of the murder, with no alibi. If he'd killed the girl, he wouldn't have done that. Therefore, the rest of his story has got to be believed. That leaves you. I followed Beck here. If you turned out to be someone I'd never met before, fine. Beck's in the clear, but you're not. So what else do I need? Killing, Craig. Finally came out of the woodwork, Beck. Why don't you introduce me to the lady who's going to hang with you? Excuse me, they don't hang you in New York. stop it.
3: Stop it. I didn't know about his plans to kill Lila. He just told me it was a gag for a divorce.
2: Hey, that's not bad. Any jury with men this side of senility on it will go for that. Beck, it looks like you take it alone. I don't take anything. I can take care of her, Only trouble is, Beck, Eddie Myron was worried about me. He trailed me to your place. He trailed both of us here. I dropped a note to him when I came in. Advised him to pick a good seat. He's outside that window. You're lying. I'll take care of you, <laughs> I wasn't lying. Myron winged our boy prettily. The police thanked him. They tossed me a polite nod, too. They didn't seem to mind finding the lost lady, either. Headquarters would be a brighter place for a little while... I wouldn't be hanging around waiting for her to come out, though. I don't like red bathing suits.
1: You have been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator... Tonight's story, The Lost Lady, was written by Lou Vittis. Next week, it's the strange story titled The Jade Bracelet, about which Barry Craig has this to say.
2: Next week, an imported picture bride finds that marriage is murder when her future husband to be connives to make her set up housekeeping in the state penitentiary. Good night, folks. See you next week.
1: The National Broadcasting Company has brought you Barry Craig, confidential investigator, starring William Gargan. Featured in the role of Flurry was Joan Loring. This is Don Fardo's meeting. Tonight, enjoy Meet the Press on NBC.